Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We hear you. Well, yeah, I think I think he's out again. He's no, this guy, this guy. I I I, I feel like I feel like it's it's engineered at this point. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But this guy every every day. This is sports talk Mississippi. I'll do the talking I mean, while Borky does the engineering. I guess. I'm Brian Haydad, Richard Cross up there in Oxford, Michael Borky, of course, in Studio X down here in Jackson. We are pleased to join you here on a Tuesday afternoon. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, this would be a day that if Michael Borky had his druthers, and I don't know if people say druthers anymore, but if he did, he would be at Dancing Rabbit right this second. He'd be teeing off on about the uh, the 7th on his way to a smooth three under for the day. That's the kind of day you could be having if you were at Pearl River Resort. Of course, he'd finish up the night with a fantastic meal at Philip M's. Maybe you know, maybe after the after eighteen holes, you need a massage, and you can just you know go over there to the spot, Pearl River Resort, and enjoy yourself. Pearl River Resort. That's the studio here on Sports Talk Mississippi. If you want to join it. the show, the Steve Spire text line is open for you 601-879-4395. Richard, if you just want, you can just text us what you want to say over the ceasefire text line and we'll just read it off. Richard in Oxford is saying <laughs> I am perilously close to breaking something. Oh, don't do it. I mean, I made don't it as far it. as good in good Tuesday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk. You did. You got good. I hope I genuinely hope that at some point today, regardless of where you are in the Magnolia State, you have had the opportunity to get outside for a little while because it has been so nice, gorgeous today. Gorgeous. Yeah. Just perfect. And tomorrow's going to be the same. Maybe a little more, a little less sunshine tomorrow, but a little bit warmer also. So, I mean, just. Yeah, just, it's going to be a great. Yeah. We're, we are we in false spring or are we or do we dare to dream? Oh, we can dream, and I don't think. I mean, there might be one or two more little little waves of uh, of of chilliness. I mean, who knows? There could be like a full on cold 
spell. That so there's a snap through. coming, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's but. altogether possible. But you know what, hey, Dad? Let's, um, let's live in the moment. Let's enjoy it. Let's yeah. not worry about the yesterdays or the tomorrows. Let's focus on the today, the here and yesterday. now. Yesterday. Yeah. I think that's what, uh, I think that's what Dennis Gates said in his press conference when he was asked about, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, uh, leaving Missouri mm-hmm. to go to uh, Arizona. He said, look, I don't focus on the yesterdays or the tomorrows. I'm focused on the now. Maybe there's some wisdom in that. We'll just we'll focus on the right now. Maybe they should focus a little bit harder on the now. They'd win a game or two. Yeah. Oh. I I had no intention of beginning our show today, talking about Missouri basketball. Missouri is better than zero and twelve at the SEC. I've seen them play three times this year. They went to overtime with South Carolina, or no, Georgia. They lost a close game at home to South Carolina, and they lost by three at Ole Miss. Seven of their 12 SEC losses are by 10 points or less. They are not that bad of a basketball team, but in the words of the great who, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, you know what Bill close losses. You know what Bill cl- close losses are. Uh, losses, nonetheless. Losses. I understand. They are not wins. They are not wins. Oh, I'm not a Missouri stand by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I'm just telling you, having seen them in person three times, I'm just like, that's not that bad of a basketball team. Did you hear what he just said, Borky? Did you see how he was with it? He called him. He's called himself a stand. He did. That was like Good the job. youngest thing I've know. heard him say. Ever. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Every uh, every great once in a while. Every great once in a while. We got pretty decent weather for home baseball in Oxford and Starkville and Hattiesburg this weekend. Low 60s on Friday and Saturday for the highs, and then uh, low 70s on Sunday. I'm just looking at Oxford's forecast for the weekend. That is not too shabby. No, and uh, I've got a hill that I'm prepared to die on. Are you ready for this? You're going to think it's this. trivial. I saw this but, on Twitter. But I think, it, uh, I think it actually matters. Ole Miss should move the start time of their baseball game on Saturday either earlier or much later in the day. So the baseball game, it is high point, starts at noon, and the basketball game against South Carolina starts at 2.30. Tell me how many college baseball games last two and a half hours. Not many. Now, they're a little bit shorter, but two and a half hours is not exactly uh, the game length. And that South Carolina game, and now if Ole Miss wins tomorrow, maybe Saturday doesn't become a must-win, but it feels like they really have to beat South Carolina at home. I mean, they've got to win that game. That is a massive, massive Basketball game with NCAA tournament implications on the line, no doubt. They got to win that game. And if there is anybody that either wouldn't go to basketball or would be late to basketball because they're watching the baseball game, first of all, I think you're crazy as a fan, but it doesn't matter. You do what you do. The fans shouldn't have to choose one or the other. The weather is going to be stunning. You are making fans choose, and you shouldn't make fans choose started at 11 or started at 7. But having the baseball game, I know it's high point, but you guys know the baseball culture in this state. 
having the baseball game but into the basketball game, when you get to choose the start time, is a mistake. You need every available body in the arena that you can get when that game tips off because you got to win it. High point in February in baseball just does not matter at all compared to that. Got to move the game. All this time I've been trying to find your Ole Miss burner name, but maybe you're on the state boards because that's a debate they've been have they had there last weekend. So mm. I pre I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm you, you the can't have those two conflict. Forty-eight and Drizzly would be better for basketball. Yeah. Than yeah. 62 with not a cloud in the sky on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It's going to be gorgeous. A light, yeah. light jacket and, and, and some comfy pants, and you're out there having a beer and the ball game. But you shouldn't have to choose. Start at 11 so people can do both, or start at 7 so people can do both. Did he say in some comfy pants? Yeah, some comfy pants. Comfy pants. What's yeah. wrong with comfy, comfy who, who likes uncomfy pants? But this is my, exactly. my pitch to Keith Carter... And Mike Bianco, I don't have to pitch this to Mike Bianco, just to Keith Carter. Keith, you tell the coaches what to do. They don't tell you what to do. You're a basketball guy. You know how important basketball is. You know students love drinking beer in the sun. They might choose drinking beer in the sun for the baseball game as opposed to the basketball game. You know which one's more important on Saturday. Move the game. Well, the ones that are 21 or older can can drink beer at Basketball also. They just have to pay for it. Inside, They have to pay more for and, it, and, and it's and inside it's of an inside. arena, not in the sun. Eh, most students have got an expense account. It's not that big a deal. I mean, it's, you know. It's got... <laughs> a lot do, anyway. Some I didn't know. Uh... Baseball does not only last two hours. Whoever, No, it doesn't. No. And if that game goes the way it should, now with the way Ole Miss played last weekend, probably not. But if that game goes the way it should and there's a lot of runs... He says basketball only lasts two hours. Uh, five would be good. Well, because you don't want to butt into baseball either. Guarantee a buffer. Give and, everybody and, time to get out of the arena, make their way to the other arena, yeah, the other stadium. Yeah, Basketball games it. don't only last two hours. But it's the last SEC that's basketball state game did. that's state, only last two I, hours. State yeah, had a 1 o'clock tip. Most of them are about two. Most of them fit yeah, in the TV two. window. Maybe two State had a 1 o'clock tip. State had a 1 o'clock tip last weekend, and I did the whole game, did the press conference, and I was in my seat for the second pitch of the game. Good. Do it that way. So you had time. And, I mean, yeah, right across. And that's not even across the street. It's in the same parking lot. It's a little further walk from the pavilion to to Swayze. But, yeah, I, I, I say all this to say I agree with you. You should should stagger these things so that nobody has to make that decision. In, in fairness, the, the better result would be to move baseball up an hour if you were going to go down this road to 11 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Agreed. starting it at 5, it's going to get cold on Saturday night. Yeah. It just is. It, and and it, that would hurt your attendance. So it, you start the baseball game at 11, you know, by the ninth inning or if it's over, you make the migration across campus to, uh, to basketball and you've gotten everything done. Perfect. I don't, I think the, I think the crowd on Saturday is going to be really good for basketball. Probably I, I will. But but you know that there are people that are going oh, to to either choose baseball exclusively or wait until baseball's over to get over there and That's true. I mean, you need every butt in in a seat from start to finish because of how important that game is regardless of what happens tomorrow. Yeah. I uh, it, it is it is a big big basketball game for Ole Miss. On Saturday, that is, uh, there's no question about that. There's a 
big slate of games that is happening involving SEC teams this afternoon. Southern Miss does not play today. They played yesterday and Sunday and Saturday and Friday. And we'll talk to Christian Ostrander about that coming up next. It's a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Christian Ostrander joins us for the very first time as we uh, look back at the start of a busy season for Southern Miss baseball. Coach, you wait for this opportunity, you wait for opening day, and then, boy, do you have to hit the ground running with four games in four days. Thanks so much for uh, for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon, and congrats on a good start to the year. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate y'all having me. So let's do big picture first, and then we'll talk about the games from, from this weekend. What does this opportunity mean to you, and how are you different in your mind, as a head coach than you were as a pitching coach? Uh, well, great question. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm extremely, you know, grateful and, and, and humbled to have this opportunity, you know, just uh, meant the world to me, you know, the coach Barry, you know, saw that uh, I was fit, you know, to be a successor in, in this. And, you know, that, that means everything to me. And uh, this program speaks for itself. And uh, so it's a great honor, great privilege. And, uh, and you know, with it, I know, you know, it comes a lot of responsibility, which I'm excited about and, uh, you know, ready to attack for sure. Um, you know, it's it's a dream come true. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, just uh, really, you know, for me, it, it, is it different? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I've been the last nine years, you know, pitching coach uh, role only. And, um, you know, now, you know, you're, you're kind of you're doing it all. And, and I've done it before in, you know, junior college settings and even high school for two years but uh yeah it's different but uh it was fun man it was a blast you know getting out there and uh you know when when you're not calling pitches when you're on defense you know being there and trying to be vocal and uh with your with your hitters and uh, engaging them and all that good stuff so it was great there has been a ton of continuity within the southern miss baseball program you're only the fifth coach in the the program's history, Pete Taylor, Hill Denson, Corky Palmer, Scott Berry, and now you. I guess I should say congratulations in advance because you're going to have this job for like 15 years and you're going to go to a bunch of uh, NCAA regionals and everybody's going to celebrate you when uh, when you hang it up one day, at least if history is going to repeat itself. what Why is it in your mind that there has been so much stability and so much continuity in this job? Well, I mean, I think it, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, where the head coaches start with Pete Taylor, then to Coach Denson and, and, you know, Coach Palmer and Barry, like you said, there's been, you know, just been a lot of consistency with, uh, with the personnel, you know, uh, you know, the assistants seem to have gotten here and, um, uh, and, and I, you know, did a good job. And when, when that head coach, uh, retired or moved on, they, you know, it was, uh, I guess an easy um, call, so to speak, to you know maybe elevate somebody that's already been within the program, and I think that's important. Um, you know, I just can only speak for myself. I mean, you know, I, I feel like you know it's my seventh year here, so now in this in this role, I kind of 
you know, been paying attention and, and, and seeing what, what it, what it looks like and what it takes. And, uh, and we have, we have a great, uh, you know, fan base and, and support here. And, and the, the integration of, of this, this program with the community here in Hattiesburg is so special and has been done so well by, you know, Coach Barry, uh, you know, Coach Palmer, Coach Denson, all those before. So I knew that was going to be a, a big part of this and, uh, something that I, I welcomed and uh, was, you know, ready to to, to get after it and uh, and try to continue that. Visiting with Christian Ostrander, head coach at Southern Miss. His team is off to a three and one start. They played four games in four days to start the year. Uh, I guess the name of the game in college baseball is you win series, and if you win series, then you're going to have a chance to have a good year. You did that this weekend. Obviously, you would have loved to have gotten the sweep. You win game one, four to one, ten to five in the second game, lose game three, and then yesterday. Uh, face an Air Force team that has kind of been doing a, a tour of Mississippi, starting out in Starkville and then coming down to Hattiesburg for yesterday's game and get some, some offense late. And I thought the numbers on the mound collectively yesterday were, were really impressive with the 13 strikeouts and, and just two walks. How do you evaluate the, the first four days, games of the year? Well, you know, I'll, you know, talk, you know, first from the, you know, the pitching side. I, I really, Really feel good about how we, we we threw the baseball this weekend. I thought all of them that you know got out there, starters and, and bullpen guys included, really attacked the plate and uh, you know minimized freebies. I think we only had you know seven walks you know through the first uh, four games with you know forty nine strikeouts. So you know they were uh, attacking the the hitters, which is something we preach here a tremendous amount. And uh, you know and when you do that, you're going to give yourself chances to win ball games. And, and we did that this weekend. You know, on the flip side, you know, we, we, we didn't have a ton of offense, you know, especially, you know, the first few games and, you know, and stuff. Just had some sporadic moments. We were getting guys on. We were drawing our walks, taking our freebies and stuff, but never really, you know, got those big hits that we needed to and that I believe we will, uh, you know, as things progress and uh, and go from there. And I think if we would have done that, you know, heck, who knows? You know, we, we might be looking at a situation where we are 4-0, but, you know, it's baseball's tough, man. I mean, you know, at this level, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You got to go play the game right and uh, play it well, or, or you can get beat. So, but uh, overall, you know, I was pleased, and uh, you know, uh, we we strive for perfection, but it's hard to attain in the sport. Four errors over the course of four games. Did you feel like, for the most part, you got what you wanted in the field? I did. I, I did. I, I thought, uh, you know, we for the most part, I thought we defended the ball really well. Um, you know, a couple of those errors were, were, were throwing errors that, uh, you know, I know they happen and, and stuff, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we were, we were pretty greedy, you know, with the, with the freebies, you know, errors, walks, hit by pitches and stuff and, and made, made the, you know, opposing teams have to earn, you know, things by, you know, hitting the baseball. So yeah, for the most part, I was, I was pleased with that, especially when you have so many new guys. I mean, there's, you know, our, our, uh, position player, you know, uh, faces out there, you know, there's three returners and then there's a bunch of guys that were first time at Southern Miss, first time division one, first time in college for some. Yeah. So uh, I know there's going to be some growing pains there. Oz, one more thing on the, on the pitching, you know, we're in an era in, in college baseball and certainly in professional baseball where you don't see starters going nearly as deep into games. And yet, You've kind of bucked the trend with that over the the last few years. You've had guys that have been able to get you deep in games, especially on Fridays and Saturdays. For for the opening weekend, to get five and a third and get Nico Mazza into the sixth inning, and then to get six complete out of Billy Oldham, uh, that, 
I would think that that would please you. What, what's your philosophy in terms of depth with a starter? You know, well, I think I think they, they it, the game shows itself as, as they're going. And you know, first, you know, you want to have guys. I think in order to get deep in games, you gotta you gotta be efficient. You gotta throw strikes. You gotta you know pitch to contact, let your defense play and stuff. And uh, you know, if you're giving up a lot of freebies, then that pitch count's going to climb, and uh, you know, it gets a little bit more laborsome for you, and it makes it harder to get deeper. So, you know, that's something that you know we try to, like I said earlier, really stress and and you know, and get them to buy into that narrative. And and uh, you know, and if you do that and 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 stuff, and you play behind them, then you know, you look up and their pitch count's manageable to where, especially you know, on weekend one when we have a you know number in our mind that we're trying to get to and. You know, I was very pleased that our guys could get us that fifth or sixth inning and stuff, and hopefully that just continues to grow and, you know, and just, you know, have game managers, you know, uh, on the mound starting off and uh, and just being efficient as they can to get you as deep as they can. Last thing for you, Coach, all four of the starters that you had this weekend are guys that have started games but also spent significant amount of time in the bullpen. Is there any advantage to having that, maybe having been a bullpen guy before you come uh, become a starter, or is that just kind of a, a natural prog- progression as you lose guys and you got to find new players for those roles? I think it's I think it's a natural progression. Um, okay. You know, mo- most guys you know come in and you know I think of all some of the great ones. Think about Tanner Hall and whatever Nick Samlin. I mean, those guys you know. We're relievers early, you know, especially maybe that first year and stuff, and then they grow into that role. And and I think these guys that we have now are doing the same thing. So I think it's more just kind of natural progression, and then letting them mature and grow and slow the game down, and uh, you know, and stuff. And as they do that, you know, it gets gets a little bit easier to go out there, you know, navigate uh, through a lineup multiple times, and um, you know, and have a chance to be a quality starter. Got to hit the road tomorrow. Headed to uh, New Orleans to take on a UNO team that that is always tough. What are you going to do on the mound tomorrow? Uh, we're going to start Chandler Best. Um, Chandler's uh, you know fifth year guy here. He missed last year with uh, Tommy John and uh, you know been rehabbing and uh, look, looks what looks good. Been you know throwing the ball well. Feels good. And that's the most important thing. So uh, yeah, kind of by design going into this year, we knew the kind of the rotation we're going to have the first five games. So. Look forward to seeing him out there, and uh, man, I'm I'm pulling for him. He's a fine young man that, that's been here and has been for us and stuff. So I look forward to you know seeing how that unfolds. Coach, really appreciate your time. Great visiting with you, and look forward to talking to you throughout the season. All right, guys, I appreciate it too, man. Thank you, thank you very much. Christian Ostrander, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Four games in, he's off to a three and one start. You know, people that are close to him call him Oz, and I was thinking. It has to be. He, he can't be Coach O. That's already taken. Co- Co- Coach point. O has to be off the board. So it's got to be either Coach Oz or Oz or, um, you know, however you want to go with that. I, I, I don't, I think there's only one Coach O. Yeah. One and only, thankfully, Coach O. Uh, Christian Ostrander joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Podcasts. It's time for more sports talk, Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Appreciate Christian Ostrander joining us. Joining us, he's the first of three guests today. Luke Johnson will be along at twenty minutes after four this afternoon, and then we will begin our weekly or mostly weekly conversations with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball uh, coming up in the uh, five o'clock hour. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. If you don't have fiber home internet, I just hate to tell you, you're missing out. And Ceasefire's fiber is as good as it gets. Power your home with fiber from Ceasefire. Blazing fast. Smoking fast. Good stuff. Ceasefire fiber. Uh, ceasefire.com, ceasefire customer inspired. Smoking. A lot of baseball games today. Georgia on the road at Georgia State. Moorhead State is at Kentucky. Kentucky ranked 24th in the country. You got Winthrop at South Carolina. Quick, Again. name that town. Winthrop. They made a run in the NCAA tournament, so you may know. It was a while ago, but they did it. Mm, the Winthrop Eagles. Aren't they the Eagles? They are. Winthrop They're not in Winthrop? I, I, I'm going to test your recruiting knowledge, too. The home of Jadavion Clowney. Mm. Rock Hill, South yes, Carolina. Yes, sir. There it is. Oh, yeah. How about that? Nailed it. Wow. There you go. I kind of pulled that one out of uh, nowhere. Thanks for the clue, the hint. Georgia's up 7-zip on Georgia State. Moorhead State and Kentucky. I don't see a score yet. Same thing. uh, They should be underway with uh, some of these games. The scoreboard was kind of confusing on D1 Baseball, so I was going to secsports.com. And it doesn't seem to be functioning the way I need or want it to be either. So, I don't know. Maybe they got weather issues. Uh, UNC Asheville in Knoxville to take on Tennessee. Do you know what town UNC Asheville's in? I'll give you one guess. UIW is at Texas A&M and timeout because we got to talk. Have you guys seen the video from last night? Texas A&M. Yeah. Commerce and the University of Incarnate Word, the old post-game handshake line turned into a bit of a Donnybrook. Thought it was a clip from Monday Night Raw for a second. Yeah, I mean, there's fake fights in sports. We got baseball season coming up, and there's going to be a lot of dugouts cleared in Phoenix, and it's like nothing happens. That was a fight. Dudes were hurt after that one. There's no doubt. There was blood. There was a fan that got hit or run into or something. I, I explained it this way this morning. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on, on Gallo. Um, if, if you picture yourself sitting looking at a basketball court, this is the old like right to left if you're looking at your radio, just picture yourself looking at a basketball court and think about the baseline on the end to your right and the free throw line on the end to your left. There were people spread out in various scuffles, 
more significant than scuffles, but we'll describe it that way. From the free throw line to the baseline. We're talking 75 feet of court spread across it. You got, and it's hard to tell who was doing what, right? Because you got players in uniform. You got coaches, but coaches don't wear coats and ties anymore. So, like, is that a coach? Is that a manager? Is he mad at that guy? Is he trying to pull him off? Because there was, like, some aggressive trying to separate fighters. You had people trying to rip away from their own teammates so they could go get in another swing or two. You had one guy that broke away from the guy that was holding him back, and he sprints to the opposite end of the floor going after a certain somebody. You got players from one team that are trying to follow the other team into their locker room to keep it going. I'm talking about, I mean, this was borderline malice in the palace. It was an announcer. a fight. As an announcer, you know, they're in the handshake line. You're wrapping things up, you know. For so-and-so, here at ESPN, this is so-and-so. Wanted to thank you for the... And then you got another 10 minutes, basically, of, like, you're calling the action. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I mean, it was probably student announcers or whatever, but it was kind of like the home run clip that Borky played yesterday. The guy was like, yeah. oh, this doesn't look good. There's a fight. Oh, my goodness. You've got players all over. Man, I need you to go into boxing voice. I need you to become Jerry the King and Jim Ross. <laughs> Whoa, look at the free throw line. Did you see that haymaker? Oh, he's getting the steel chair. I mean, I, I need some. Yeah, like You want to be viral? There you go. Like uh, the hockey announcers. That That is one It's yeah. one of the more impressive things in sports broadcasting. I, I, I watch. I put a lot of hockey on in the background when I'm working uh, late at night and when a fight happens, it's the smoothest transition into they're calling a fight. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's like from, you know, it's going to be a whistle for icing and with the uppercut from the right hand, and yeah. he comes back with a haymaker. Oh, yeah. gloves are coming off. It's incredible. Is there anything more jarring? So I remember Malice at the Palace. I'm not doing the age thing, I promise. I just, I, I was 12, so I remember it happening, but not in the same way that, that others do. Is there more jarring things that have happened at a sporting event, like involving the players and stuff, than that? I mean, the fight where a player goes up into the stands and starts beating up fans is—is is anything else like so, that? So, so you're saying the band is on the field, jarring non-sports plays, right? Yeah, like not. But and that that well, counts, that I think. The band is on the field, same. though. That's that's not just like a player catching a touchdown. Okay. That is something yeah. different. Yeah. I, I was going to say Jeffrey that. Mayer, but that's not the same. But I mean, that was that turned into something. Randy Johnson hitting the bird. That's a good. <laughs> Two one. days in a row, you've done that to me. Two days well, in a row. Years. Like something was literally about to come out of my mouth, and you're like, whoa, whoa, the, the Parker, the Parker ECU, Bird, Randy Parker Johnson, Bird. Bird. Um, I was going to say, it's funny, that's the first thing that popped into my head, like non-sports play, you say jarring, I'm like, that bird that got, like, that spontaneously combusted. Murdered. When the Murdered basketball is the word you're looking for. Blew him up. Oh, here's another good one. Yeah. The Tyson um, Holyfield. Biting the ear. Ooh. Well, also, yeah, Tyson Holyfield, didn't the, the, the skydiver hit the ring? 
One of their fights, there was a skydiver that hit the ring, got caught up in the ropes. Tyson tried to take him out. Well, <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Um, On a much more local level, something similar, I remember the Mississippi State-Alabama game where the skydiver beefed it trying to, to land, and, and I thought he was dead. He wasn't, thankfully. There was one time at a football game in Mississippi where a mighty gust of wind arose oh. out of nowhere. Ah, I don't I don't remember the details from that one. There he goes. He's out. He's done. All right. So we can resume ah. our SEC. You know, these are the games that are happening. I just saw UIW. Yeah. And I was like, stop. We got to talk. Yeah. Austin P and Starkville to take on Mississippi State. First pitch about 20 minutes away. Middle Tennessee is at number 17, Alabama. Dayton. Dayton is at Vanderbilt. Florida goes to Jacksonville to play UNF in their second game of the year. I don't remember two games getting washed out on an opening weekend in a long time. Before we got one game in this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And they lost the game to St. John's. That's right. That's right. And uh, UAB is at Auburn. So, a lot of baseball this afternoon. And then uh, Ole Miss gets back into action tomorrow. Got a uh, probably a good idea to have one day to recover from a 5,000-mile journey home. Um, so, uh, Rebels will play tomorrow afternoon against Arkansas State, first pitch, 4 o'clock. A bunch of games. There are quite a few games tomorrow as well. Teams play a lot of games early. It's like coaches really kind of want to they want to try a lot. They want to use a bunch of pitchers. They want to see what they've got. They would like to win all of those games that they play early in the year. doesn't always work out that way. Um, but it'll be a busy first couple of weeks of the uh, of the season. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Take a timeout, wrap up the 3 o'clock hour when we come back with you. I hope you're not counting how many times I say a beautiful day because it is spectacular. And I make you no can't say it enough. It. Yeah, it's it's just oh, it's the 20th of February. Well, we've had ice on the 20th of February. We've had snow on the 20. We had snow on March 1st one year, like significant snow on March 1st one year. And uh, it's 68, sunny where I am. 
probably warmer than that where you guys are as well. It should be a pretty good crowd, at least early today, for State's baseball game, I would think. At least student crowd, anyway. You would think so, yeah. It's like they got class or studying to do, you know? Class mass. You get all that out of the way in the morning. Or. Yeah, it'll be fine. Never mind. Um. Couple of uh, a couple of hoops games coming your way tonight in the uh, the SEC. Do these interest you at all? Arkansas at Texas A and M, Tennessee at Missouri. A and M, just to see how that you know because they've been so up and down this year. It feels like anything could happen. I mean, they they they, they that, that game earlier this year, the one in Fayetteville, Arkansas won on a, on a buzzer beater. So. Oh, that's right. Arkansas beat them the first time. Yeah. Mm. That one's on ESPN at 6, and uh, Tennessee Missouri is on SEC Network at 6. So a light slate of games this afternoon. That's all right. Or this evening. Means we've got more time to look into the one tomorrow. Genuinely excited about that game as well? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, should be a massive environment. Eight o'clock, nice and liquored up for for those that partake in that. Students should be good and rowdy. NCAA tournament on the line. Bracketology had Mississippi State in, but you know, a, a couple losses here could make that a little bit more dicey. Joe Lenardi had Ole Miss as literally the last team in today. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff here. Now, losing to Mississippi State's not going to hurt Ole Miss. It's just beating them would help them tremendously uh, if they're able to get it done. Yeah, I don't know if Lunardi would move them out if they lost that game tomorrow night. Uh, um, as we've said m- many times, it does. Your team and what they are doing does not happen in a vacuum. It's they're like all of these moving parts all over the country, and other teams win and other teams lose. I mean, there's a scenario where Ole Miss could lose to Mississippi State in a close game tomorrow night and move up a seed line or move up a couple of spots on the, the last four in grouping. But, yeah, I mean, last four in is hanging on a thread. It is, it is absolutely hanging on by a thread, and a win would be really big. Hey, Dad. It feels like for a lot of years in a row, and I'm, I mean, you, you're probably going to tell me that last year wasn't the case. I just don't remember. <laughs> that it's <coughs> just split. Like, it's rare to get it. Did State yeah. win both of them last year? State won both last year. But prior to that, we've gone several years in a row where it was split, right? Yeah. I, I, I think AK second to last year, he got them both. And then after that, it's been splits every year. I'll be interested to see what the line is when it comes out tomorrow. You remember Ole Miss Mm -hmm. was a very slight favorite. I think it closed at one and a half. I think. Or maybe it was one when Ole Miss was uh, hosting Mississippi State. I would actually expect State. I would expect them to be a bigger favorite than that. Maybe. I was thinking like four and a half, five. Yeah, it was five and a half is kind of the number that popped into my head. Yeah. Um. You think it's close? 
Yes. Yes, for sure it'll be close. Yeah. I mean, I think State's a little bit better than Ole Miss, and I say that with Ole Miss having a head-to-head win over State in this. But I think if you just look at both teams and compare them, State's a little bit better. I think being at home helps them a lot. Um, But I, I, I talked to Borky about this game today. I don't know that you can count on T.J. Caldwell to deliver 18 points again for Ole Miss. I don't know if you can count on Deshaun Davis to deliver 15 points again uh, for Mississippi State, but I think the guys you can count on will show up. I think it's, it'll be a close game. It'll go down into the last few minutes. Yeah. I know we talked about Matthew Morrell a little bit yesterday. I think it's worth taking a little bit closer look at his numbers and what he has done over the last five games. He is on an absolute heater right now. I will, I'll also share with you, um, something from my conversation with Chris Beard on Saturday afternoon before Ole Miss's game against South Carolina that I thought provided a little bit of insight into what he is still trying to get out of his current team in year number one at Ole Miss. That's how we'll start the 4 o'clock hour when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio on Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. We're back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the Seaspire text line. Seaspire customer inspired. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. All right, I told you we would look at Matthew Morell's numbers yesterday. Hey Dad, you asked me the question yesterday about the um about the Howell trophy. You called it the Conroy yeah. Trophy, but we were talking about the Howell I trophy. I did. Um, yes. And you said that at this point of the year. You were leaning toward voting for Josh Hubbard for that award. Correct. This would be the case for Matthew Morrell. So we'll go little picture, big picture, micro, macro. Here's the little picture. Over the last five games, he is 34 of 64 from the field. He's made seven, 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 six, and seven shots in the last five games. So he's 53% shooting the basketball. From behind the arc in the last five games, he is 18 of 37. He has made three, 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 and six three-point baskets in his last five games. That's 49%. He also in that five-game span, is averaging five rebounds a game, two assists a game, one steal, and one turnover. 
while playing 31, 36, 35, 38, and 35 minutes. So averaging 35 minutes a game over that five-game stretch. That's playing at a really high level. So that's the micro piece of it. Here's the macro piece. For the year, Matthew Morell is fifth in the SEC in scoring at 17.1 points per game. He's tenth in the league in field goal percentage, sixth in steals, second in three-point percentage, tied for third in three-pointers made, and plays more minutes per game than anybody else in the SEC. It, I think we've undervalued how good he's been this year. Tell all SEC guy. Very, oh, yeah. yeah Very good those point. are all SEC numbers. And, and, you know, deserves is a relative term. He deserves to play in the NCAA tournament. He has been good on bad teams. Mm-hmm. And not to the, the fault of Ole Miss fans, because supporting that product is not something I would have done. But he played for some bad teams in some empty arenas, man. And and played well and stuff. I mean, would anybody have blamed him if he hit the transfer portal? Would would a single person have been like, ah, no, that's he should have stayed? No, everybody would have thought, hey, his time at Ole Miss not good. Good for him for go going to look for greener pastures and stuck it out. New coach he's never heard of. I'm sure he's heard of him, but never played for is what I should say. Stuck it out, hurt his pitch, and has become an all league guy on a team that mm-hmm. should make the tournament. He deserves to play in the tournament. He does. He absolutely does. I was I was looking at some of the top scoring players in the SEC trying to think what voters are going to do with the All-SEC team. Mark Sears, unquestionably, he's the leading scorer in the SEC. Dalton Connect at Tennessee. Antonio Reeves at Kentucky. Wade Taylor at Texas A&M. I think he's part of the first team. Janai Broom at Auburn. He's eighth in the league in scoring and second in the league in rebounding. That's a first-team All-SEC season. And then you go, okay, is Matthew Morrell going to get his due? He deserves to be first-team All-SEC. Clayton, Walter Clayton, probably in that conversation at Florida, especially with how well Florida has played down the stretch. And then what do you do with Sean East? Right, Sean East's numbers are... Incredible. But his team's 0-12. Um, Josh Hubbard will be first-team All-SEC freshman, or he'll be on the freshman All-SEC team, like, no doubt. My guess would be he is second-team All-SEC. Probably, yeah. In his freshman season. Who would be freshman of the year? He's got a chance, depending on how he finishes. Probably, yeah. You know. Um, Reed Shepard, probably. Yeah. When, when you've got a guy from Kentucky playing as well as Reed Shepard is, I think that's a little hard to beat out. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say boo though about Josh Hubbard as freshman of the year over over Shepard. Trying to think, are there any other guys that? Oh, um, Colin Murray Boyles at South Carolina would have a really good argument 
for freshman of the year. But he's not in the top 15 in the SEC in scoring. He's good, really good. And put up the numbers that Hubbard has had. Are there any other freshmen that just pop? Somebody says Jalen Williams at Auburn. Jalen Williams is a fifth year. Somebody just for all SEC, I think. Oh. It's a little late. Um, yeah, it just showed up. It, uh, this text line, killing me lately. Yeah. That's a guy, you know, him being out, I mean, for uh, for however long, that's a big blow for Auburn. You know, State goes there next Saturday. If he's still out, that 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 helps State. I don't know. I don't know that it's enough to win at Auburn, but it's certainly a plus for the Bulldogs. You know, to to me, the issue with Jalen Williams, I love him as a player, big energy guy, but he has stretches of games where he doesn't impact the game. Like I did Auburn's game against Vanderbilt. I don't remember when it was, like late January, and I kind of followed the box scores and. He didn't have another good game until they played Ole Miss, like two weeks later. And so it was like he went from leading the team in scoring to not a whole lot for two or three games to, boom, he's right back at it. Um, Again, I really like Jalen Williams as a player. I'm not sure that I'm putting him first team all SEC. I mean, if, if I got to vote for them by team, I probably would have him as a, either a low second or high third team all-league guy. But when he's on, he's really, really on. Just don't necessarily see that consistency, game in, game out, night in, night out. I agree with you, though, Hey, Dad. I mean, that would be a huge break for Mississippi State if – Williams was not able to go. Not that you wish that on Williams, but just no. like factually, if he doesn't play, Auburn's not as good. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, I don't know. You know, we don't have an update. I expect Trey Fort to be available tomorrow, but I don't know about DJ Jeffries. I, I don't think he's going to be available. How impactful would that just be? From watching. I mean, the state's played okay without him. Sean Jones has, has stepped in and, and done well there. And Keyshawn Murphy coming in has allowed you to have some more flexibility there in the front court. So that, you know, they've got the depth. It's not an issue of they're going to be shorthanded without him. But DJ Jeffries is a, is, a, is a good player and he provides value when he's on the court. So, you know, it, it definitely is a, is a blow. But at the same time, state's on a three game winning streak without him. Now, part of that is the competition they've played. They've played three of the teams in the conference that aren't, aren't in the tournament picture. But they've played well. Yeah. I always feel like DJ Jeffries is a big energy guy, too. I mean, in the first meeting yeah. against Ole Miss, he only had three points. Only took four shots, but he played 33 minutes. I mean, he was out there. And had some rebounds. It certainly wasn't his best game. State was led by Josh Hubbard with 21 in that game. Cam Matthews had a double-double with 16 and 12. Shaquille Moore had 14. Deshaun Davis had 15. So those were the four guys that were in double figures. Has Davis had a game like that since? No. No, he hasn't. 
He had a game where he had nine assists, but not from a scoring yeah. perspective, no, he has not. Because remember, we talked about that on the the day right after um, right after the game was, hey, this may be a sign of something good to come for Mississippi State. Deshaun Davis coming to life offensively, and it seems like it was more of an outlier than a harbinger of things to come. Yeah. Sport, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Luke Johnson will join us coming up next on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Welcome back. We go back to the Farm Bureau guest line on Sports Talk Mississippi. Luke Johnson joins us, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, Luke. Hey, Richard. Tuesday afternoon in South Mississippi. Beautiful outside. About 72, 71. If that, yeah, it's beautiful. It's been a spectacular day. Uh, finally, a day off for the uh, Southern Miss baseball team, the USM baseball team, getting off to a, uh, a good start. They won three out of their first four. They get the first two against Maris, dropped that third one. That's a little bit of a bummer in the uh, when you're playing for a sweep and, and not getting it done. But bounced back yesterday, uh, got the offense going late, especially in that ball game, and um, didn't really walk anybody and had a bunch of strikeouts and uh, got that win against Air Force to get to three and one. Yeah, it was, and, and the game they lost, yeah, it, it was a tough loss, uh, but the Eagles left 12 on base. Uh, they ended the eighth and the ninth inning with the bases loaded. Uh, there was a few times in that game where they had uh, hit That's balls. That's less than ideal. Right. Yeah, very, very less than ideal. But, you know, they had times Carson Peto hit a rope down, uh, down right field, but it was right at the first baseman. It would have cleared the bases, played it a few more. Uh, Wilkes hit a warning track shot, line drive, and so they just didn't have any timely hits. Um, couldn't get anybody in. And, you know, some of it had to do with they got walked a lot over this weekend, so that was one positive you could get uh, taken away from that. But like you said, pitching-wise, if you take what Armistead did yesterday, and even with, with what Sibley did, Sibley didn't walk a batter. He got hit pretty good. He didn't lose the game for him on the mound. They couldn't get him in. But you're looking at a starting rotation in four games that struck out 27 and walked two. You combine that with a pin, they struck out 49 and only walked seven, which is more than ideal, I think. So Nico Mazza goes five and a third with eight strikeouts and no runs allowed. Uh, Billy Oldham goes six innings with seven strikeouts and one walk. You get Cross Sibley, what, two and two thirds with three strikeouts, no walks. And then Armistead yesterday goes, uh, Five innings with nine strikeouts and a walk. That's pretty darn good. And 
people have asked, you know, why didn't Armistead start game three? Well, you know, Oz wants a lefty in this lineup. I mean, in this rotation, he wants a left-hander. They're going to throw Chandler Best tomorrow night, so he's making his uh, his return um, because they and maybe see what he can do. Uh, they, they do want a lefty, but I mean, to have Armistead as your number four guy, you know, effectively. And one thing we did see, they threw uh, about seven guys, I think, out of the pen, and that was one of the things that Ostrander wanted coming in. He didn't want to have to late in the season. Of course, you got your shutdown guys and guys that you go to in a jam, but he wanted to have a plethora of arms, and they do. A, a couple guys to, to watch for. McCarty English um, is a true freshman, big arm. J.B. Middleton's back this year, cleaned up some of his stuff. He, he's hitting up to 98. They got a guy named uh, Landon Payne, got about a 91-mile-an-hour cutter, and he can mm-hmm. get up to 94, 95 with his, with his fastball. And he came in yesterday and uh, and shut down Air Force uh, for for more than an inning. So they just have tons of options. Uh, it's the deepest. It reminds you again of the 2022 um, depth. But I think that down the stretch they're going to probably have more than just two or three guys they can go to in a jam. Play a little Metallica when uh, Landon Payne comes onto the field. He did actually. He did, and they were talking about that on the broadcast. Really. I mean, Moe's cutter was a little harder than that, but late in his career, he kind of lived at 91 to 93 with that cutter and got a lot of people out. It looked good. And, uh, he actually had a pitch on the broadcast, really didn't know uh, what to call it because it kind of ran in. And uh, so, you know, hadn't figured that one out yet. But, you know, Oz is tickled to death um, – with the depth that he has. And just looking at Armistead did yesterday again, he would be your midweek guy. Yeah. Um, all right, so UNO tomorrow, and that's a game that gets played a couple of times every year, usually in New Orleans and in, in Hattiesburg. And then this weekend, Missouri State coming in. Missouri State traditionally has been a pretty decent baseball program. I don't know what they've got this year. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But I do know that that's a program that has won a lot of games and has been to some regionals in recent years. They have. I mean, Southern Miss, you know, fortunate to get three opening um, weekends on. They got Indiana State next week. But, you know, uh, Missouri State took two out of three uh, at Monroe against ULM. Um, and so, you know, taking an opening series like that. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I believe that we'll see Cross Sibley again in game three. Um, because again, he didn't lose it for him on the mound. He got hit early, uh, but you've got to be able to take advantage of that. And, you know, speaking of hitting, Eagles only hit 181 this weekend. Now, yeah. some of that was, I don't, this isn't figured in through yesterday, but their batting average for balls in play was like sub 200 anyway. So some of that was just kind of bad luck. And I, I kind of hinted that earlier, but I mean, if you were to ask me who would I think go hitless in week one? It would not be Nick Monastere. I mean, he's 0 for 10 right now. Um, leading the team, a guy that you've heard of before from North Mississippi, Ozzie Pratt, and, and just watching Pratt play this weekend, he's a guy that you think would be a, a more of a leadoff type, but he's got tons of pop. I mean, he had a triple and three doubles over the weekend. He's batting 400 so far, and that's a guy, Golden Eagle fans. He's probably going to hold down the, the five hole, so Southern Miss fans are really excited to see what he does. I know this is looking way ahead. Is is Indiana State, do they have much back from last year? I have not 
scouted them or, or seen much about them yet. I, am, guys, am I crazy? Wasn't it Indiana State that had a big, big year a season ago? Yep. Hosted a regional. Yes, Hosted in Terre Haute. Right. Yeah. Had a great atmosphere. Kind of a small yeah. ballpark, but won a ton of games. That uh, I, I don't know how much of what they had a year ago is back this season, but that was a really good baseball team uh, a year ago. Hey, Dad said we needed to uh, we, we needed to pick your brain on some football stuff as well. Hey, Dad, where, where do you want to go with this? Well, we haven't had you on since you know signing day or the, or the transfer portal, and I, that's a big quarterback addition that Will Hall had, and and we, we we've been talking about it for the past few you know years with him. Like, get the quarterback, and everything else will take care of itself. Have they got the quarterback now, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I think Tate Rotomaker is probably the best guy you've had in at that position not not hypothetically so not not at a look back at what he was coming out of high school but i mean a guy they they probably haven't been as touted as this position as somebody as they are in in their career right now uh in a long time um and so you know word got out there was some chatter that 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 was going to happen and and then when it hit i think i actually texted y'all that night that it hit i mean i just was like wow he, he did it there it is and with Crawford coming back and, you know, with John White on campus too, I mean, I think you just went crazy. Will's going all in. And you guys may have talked about this yesterday, the Ross Dellinger article, you know, where, where Will's the hot, the, the headliner about, he says, you know, in, in the offseason, he's not doing football anymore um, because the game's changed so much for a group of five guys. But, I mean, he went all in. He made some big freshman signees, and he got some big portal guys. And so Southern Miss fans have a right to be whoa, excited whoa, about that. Hold on. Expand on that a little bit. I, I missed that story yesterday. What do you What do you mean he's not doing football in the off season anymore? So Ross started the article basically talking about how Will will go out, you know, and you know watch a, a few workouts, and then he's meeting with donors, and then he's going to the Gulf Coast. He met with donors. Ross was just kind of highlighting one one day, and the quote was, "Will says I don't do football anymore." He said, "I'm culture and uh, you know." I'm building culture and recruiting donors. Just talking about, and then they they talked about a uh, I can't remember which which athletic director it was with G five maybe Toledo's, and it was just the same thing how the games changed and but I mean Will's adapting. They're they're at a big push for NIL donors right now into the top collective, and uh, I mean he's all in on this, uh, especially you know after what they announced today with with the five plus seven and a group of five is going to have you know an AQ into the playoffs. So I think you you got to you got to go after it. They landed, I think, what will be a very good player in Rotomaker. That's such an interesting dynamic for what we've always kind of viewed as like one of the ultimate football guys. I mean, Will, Will Hall was a football guy, but I think it speaks to his like self awareness and recognition that hey, if we're going to win, we got to have players, and if we're going to get players, I got to raise money. Because there's nobody that's going to be more effective doing that than he is for the football program. Yeah, it just, you know, and, and being a football guy like him and, you know, like I was, just you almost spit up in your mouth when you think about you have to go out and buy loyalty and you don't even know if you're going to get year two of it. And that's that's what's uh, what's yeah, tough about this. Saying, we are saying. where we are. You're not buying loyalty. You're buying mercenaries. No, it may turn out they have a great experience and they love the place and it feels good and they speak fondly about it. But you're not paying for loyalty. You're playing for players. I understand that. That's different. 
And that is why it is not college football. Y'all need to have me back on some time. Just let me talk about it from a player's perspective. Not to beat a dead horse, but to, to, you know, just the, the landscape of it. So anyway, it's, right. it's interesting. Regardless, Will's, Will's up with the time. We're out of time. Thanks, Luke. We'll talk to you soon. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Is that word too harsh? Mercenaries? No. Yeah. That doesn't describe all of them, though. That That's what... You, you're right. And, and I feel like there's a negative context to the word mercenary. But just by definition, it's someone who is paid to provide a service for the person who is paying. Yeah. But, it, and you get all these coaches doing the same thing. Or all my players leave. No, they don't. You have 85 on scholarship. If 15 hit the portal, everybody's wondering, what the heck's going on there? That means 70 don't. And yes, guys graduate, lose eligibility, and stuff like that. I, I understand. But the overwhelming majority of the Ole Miss roster stayed. The overwhelming majority of the Alabama roster after Nick Saban retired stayed. The overwhelming majority of the Arizona roster stayed. Washington's a unique example. Most of those guys are off to the NFL. But your your, your school's not losing all of its players every year. You just notice the ones that go and you don't appreciate the ones that stay. I mean, how much fanfare is Juice Wells getting, for example, at Ole Miss? Is anybody talking about Jordan Watkins? Yeah. Jordan Watkins has played for you for two years. It's funny, Borky, because you remember sometime in the summer as we were going through lots of things, one of the questions you asked was, hey, who's an off-the-radar guy that could be impactful for Ole Miss this year? I was like, Jordan Watkins. Yeah. His quarterback trusts him. The coaches trust him. He's seen it all. He can do it all. He's succeeded. He's reliable. And and will be again. And just because these guys are getting paid doesn't mean – because somebody on the text line uses a word that I can't repeat, but but for the money. And and it's like because they're getting paid, it's all bad. It's I, I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm getting paid to be here. This is my job. This is about the money for me. If they weren't paying me, I wouldn't do it. But I have incredibly mercenary. But but I, I have incredibly fond feelings about this company working for it, what it's done for me, specifically Kim Dillon and Steve Davenport. I owe a lot of things to those two people. They are my bosses. I work for them, but I am deeply loyal to them too. Just because 
I'm getting paid here and this is my job and I wouldn't be here if I wasn't getting paid doesn't mean I don't have incredibly deep feelings for this place. Just because players are, are getting paid by their schools doesn't mean they don't develop and establish incredibly deep feelings for the, the, the place that they go to. Some don't, but not everybody, not every regular student loves the college that they go to. I have a friend that went to SMU, hated it, hated it, was there for a year and a half and transferred, was miserable, didn't like being there. He's just a regular student. So, I don't know, I just describing college athletes in the way that people do just because they're getting paid now kind of frustrates me a little bit, unless you are want to start working for free. Who, me? No. But they weren't working for free. No. And that that always needs to be stated very clearly. Mercenary, like, like I'm questioning that myself because the I guess the definition of mercenary, if you look it up, is primarily concerned with compensation for activity, sometimes at the expense of ethics. And I don't think the ethics piece is in question here. I was just thinking in the terms of, and they're paid to play. There are a lot of, like, how many times have we used that phrase? Pay to play, pay to play, pay to play. That's what it is. Like, that was the one thing that the NCAA would forever, like, throw you under the jail. Well, it was a pay for play thing. Level one violation. Put them on probation. And now it's what it is. Paying guys to play, and you, I mean, you've heard me talk about it. I, I'm I'm fine, fine with it. Whether I like the system or you like the system or coaches like the system, nah, it matters. The system is what the system is, and that's one of my least favorite phrases ever. Is is what it is, but it is what it is. And you either adapt, like Luke was talking a second ago about what Will Hall's doing, trying to generate support. For the Golden Eagles collective, to the top collective, I think he called it. And when I say generate support, I'm talking about cash. Generate money. And the system that it's in place is what's there for now. And I've said many times as we've talked about this, I think it's a unique opportunity for schools that have not traditionally competed at the highest level of football to say, you know what, we're in. That's what Ole Miss has done. That's what Jeff Levy's trying to do with Mississippi State. Say, we may not have had an invitation to this party in the past, but we don't need an invitation anymore. Nope. Like We can crash the party, and all it takes is money. Missouri feels the same way. Louisville. Louisville feels the exact same way. 100%. Raise the money, get the players, build a culture where they buy in, and take advantage of Sky's your window. The limit. Say it again. Sky's the limit. Well, yeah. And with, with how everything goes, winning cures everything. If the players win, do you care if they're getting paid or not? No. Do they win? Good. 
Just win, baby. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's a reason Rick Patino has a job at a Catholic school. Even though he said their facilities are garbage. Yeah. Hey, he said their players are garbage. What are you talking about? Yeah. And uh, our friend of the program, David Cobb, did a deep dive onto the players that he ran off and what they're doing at their new schools, and they're a lot better than the team that he assembled. <laughs> he should have just kept the roster that he had. Instead of running them all out of town, he'd be winning more probably. Yeah. No, it's it's you know it's a weird conversation, and you're exactly too many people start this with the players got nothing, and that's absolutely not true. Scholarships are valuable. They are still incredibly valuable. Do things for young people that they may not have gotten otherwise. But we read Steve Sarkeesian's contract yesterday. Did you think that the money was going to continue to increase and multi-billion dollar TV contracts were, were going to come out there and the the people weren't going to ask for a raise? It's, it's just it was never going to gonna work like that, though. They, but, but you know what my counter to that would be? And, and you know some of these guys, Borky. The coaches that are in that position, and there aren't that many of them, but they're more than there ever have been. I mean, if you were a head coach at the Division One level, you are making an exceptional living by any standard. But you know what they were making when they got into the profession? Those guys paid their dues. They did. Working 100 to 120-hour weeks, making little to no money, no personal life, they, they paid their dues to get to that point. There is no paying of dues for gifted college athletes. No, but let's pretend for a second that somebody's an excellent guitarist, 17-year-old prodigy, mm-hmm. and he can shred like nobody else. Should he have to pay his dues for 20 years before he can get paid to... He does pay his dues, unless he is the rare exception that wins American Idol and gets handed a record deal at 17 years old. That guy that can shred gets discovered playing in a honky-tonk. Then the wide receiver that can catch 1,000 yards worth of passes as a freshman gets discovered at a high school field in some small town somewhere in Texas. Yeah, but I'm saying it doesn't happen fast for most musicians. It doesn't, but it does for the special ones. Aren't the college football players mm, special athletes? Yeah, but I mean, I'm not sure that your analogy works exactly in terms of. Know, but but we're, we're talking when you're talking about compensation, and well, the coaches get paid this because they they paid their dues. Well, but if somebody's a special talent, economics doesn't wait for them. Yeah, but but we're not talking about Walter Nolan. We're talking about three-quarters of your roster. Well, somebody views them as special because they're willing to pay them. I, again, it, it, you're, you're making it sound like I'm arguing against players getting no. paid and being compensated. I, like, I'm the farthest from that. But I still struggle with the, they deserve this. I don't know that they deserve it. But I'm happy for them that they're getting it. That That's a, a deep word right there. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. 
More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. Opens stat broadcast to check scores and quickly closes it. Hey, Dad. What's going on in Starkville? Mm-hmm. Uh, State's losing 3 nothing to Austin P. Three runs on five hits for Austin P. Through what? three innings. State no runs and one hit so far in this ballgame. So fast start for Austin what? P. Top of the order producer. Why is there so much surprise? Did y'all not listen to a single word I said over this offseason? Yes. I don't think this team is very good. This isn't surprising to me. I mean, I guess I had out my We Believe shirt. It's foolish on your part. How'd that turn out the last, the first time they tried it? We did that in high school before the second time we played Burns. That was stupid. So my senior year, we were really good. We, we lost three games, two of which were to Burns, and they had all D1 players all over the field, all that. Marcus Lattimore, whatever. They beat us by like 40 in the regular season when we played them. We get into the playoffs and we beat Fort Dorchester and, and we got to go back to Burns. And the school makes, and we had, we had a huge school. Like, I graduated with 600, so big school. They made We Believe shirts, or I Believe shirts, for everybody. On that Friday, when we're going to school and we're walking around and the whole, everybody's wearing I Believe shirts and the teachers wearing I Believe shirts and we get on the bus, we go to Birds and the roadside is filled with I Believe shirts and guess what happened? <laughs> Did you guys do the chant? Was that was that in vogue? No. Like, I believe. No, they just. I they, believe that. <laughs> and man, we knew in practice. We pretended Never like believe. we didn't know, but, but we knew. Like these guys are going to just kick our, you know what, again. And sure enough. They did absolutely that. And I felt so proud of my dad. Somebody handed him an I Believe shirt, and he just like handed it back. He was like, no, I don't need this. He was the only person, yeah. I swear, that came up to us after the game, and I was like, Dad, thank you. I Thank you for, for teaching me about perspective. Getting back to State, they may come back and win this game, but this is what I don't think this team is good enough to just go out and blow people out game after game. Yeah, they're going to struggle. It's going to have to grind for every win they get. Was the I believe chapter of uh, American soccer fandom one that you guys would prefer not to remember, or did you think it was cool? Because I thought it was cool. It was cool for a while. Ran its course. Yeah. Did they have something good to replace it with? No, the, the American Outlaws need a chant overhaul. My gosh, sometimes listening to them during games, it's like it's so. Too cheesy, not intimidating, you know? Like, they, I love fan engagement and, and yelling and chanting and all that's great. But it's turning into Texas A&M, where it's like the people that do it, do it because they feel like they have to and not because they're super into what they're saying. Mm. Well, A&M's into what they're saying, but it's it's weird, like, their chants. Just not... Good anymore. They need an overhaul. I missed that. That was fun. It was fun. We got Copa America this summer, too, and World Cup in two years. So there needs to be some addressing of the chance. Mm. 
Is that something where you can just create it out of nothing and all of a sudden it's a thing? Eh, they did it before. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. You certainly do it in England when you get new players, they come up with songs for them. So, Oftentimes, hilariously inappropriate as well. I forgot mm-hmm. that it turned into a thing at the Ryder Cup also. It got borrowed from the American Outlaws, and you had this at the Ryder Cup. Here we go. This is the one. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. I'd forgotten about that. Where was that? Was that Medina? I think so. That, but that was everywhere. I mean, I went to a – they're still doing it at the high school level. I went to a high school football game this past fall where the student section did that one time. It's still around. Really? Yeah. Okay. Some it was electric, too. They, they made it sound good. Good for them. Um. Maybe they should do that in the right field student section today. Hey, Dan, can I get get state going a little bit? Just try something. Yeah. Um, five o'clock hour. Kendall Rogers will lead things off with us. We'll talk some college baseball with him. Kendall Rogers, of course, from D one Baseball, D one Baseball dot com. Uh, always kind to spend some time with us over the uh, course of the college baseball season. Um, I hope that. The teams in the state of Mississippi. I believe the teams in the state of Mississippi will give him something to talk about and something for the guys at D1 Baseball to chew on a little bit. Maybe. Hopefully. There's a long way. Eh. And you can see improvement within the course of the season. But we got to see that, right? I mean, yeah. we got to see it. Yeah. Southern Miss yeah, won three did. and one. They did. They I, did. But, but Southern Miss got to be them. better off. Make sure you ask about them. Make sure. I promise you I will ask Kendall about USM Baseball. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back with you. Five o'clock hour. We'll push the college football fix back just a bit today. More coming up after this. News is next. Exciting news. Yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. now. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. We go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball and D1Baseball.com joins us this afternoon. Kendall, great to talk with you. we got one weekend of the college baseball season yeah. in the books. Um, just very generic, big-picture question what what stood out to you from the opening weekend? Because we didn't have just those series where everybody's eyes were on one place this weekend. No, no, you're right. And, and I think the big thing that stands out to me is individual performances. 
you know, I look at, you know, Chase Burns at, at Wake Forest and his debut with the Deeks, uh, you know, sitting 98 to 101 uh, with a slider with a, you know, RP, spin rate RPMs uh, over 3,000. I thought that, was, that, to me, that was incredibly impressive. You know, Billy Amick, the, the, the Clemson transfer that went to Tennessee, uh, was really special uh, over the weekend, you know, when I saw those guys at Globe Life. Um, I think you look at, you know, down at, down at A&M with Jace Lavalette hitting three home runs over the weekend, hit another one today. He's got four home runs already, uh, one of the premier players in the SEC. Then out west, uh, you know, one of the premier uh, freshmen in the country, Trent Carraway and uh, Travis Bazana at, at Oregon State are off to just a, just a sizzling hot start. So those are the big things that stood out to me from a national stage. Anything in the, uh, in the SEC that really jumped out at you? Uh, you know what? It, it's strange to say this. It's just one game. I want people to pause and not take too much from this. But uh, is it too early after one start to say that Kate Fisher will not be Florida starter and when SEC play begins? Uh, I, I just, you know, I thought when Sully, uh, you know, that's not who I was expecting to be their Friday starter uh, after the fall. But when Sully announced him as a Friday starter, I was thinking, like, oh, uh, like, I mean, I, I like Kate Fisher as a, as a reliever, but I was not sold on him as a Friday night guy. And he did not pitch like a Friday night guy. So my, my takeaway was, man, maybe they have some pretty significant question marks in the mound. Could very well be the case. And it's been a while, I think, since we said that about Florida. Maybe there was one season mixed in where it kind of didn't go yeah. the way we thought. But, I mean, they've been pretty loaded for uh, a while. Uh, with mm-hmm. with arms and with with dudes there with the uh, the Gators program, um, let's pull it into Mississippi. Uh, let's start in Hattiesburg. USM this weekend goes uh, two and one, and then they played Air Force yesterday. So they played four games in four days to uh, to start the season, and they're off to a three and one start in Christian Ostrander's head coaching debut weekend at uh, at Southern Miss. Thought there was some really good on the mound with them, but offensively, yeah. a lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, offensively, they do have some work to do. But I'll tell you what, you know, Nico Mazza was a guy that, you know, coming into the season, Richard, that I thought had a chance to have a monster season uh, for them. Uh, he was obviously very good uh, over the weekend. That's great to see. You know, J.B. Milton's another guy for me. Uh, you know, you talk about a premium arm. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's a 96, 97, 98. You know, last year was kind of a mixed bag of results, which is what you, what you kind of expect out of a young guy. But he went out there and, you know, two innings, so small sample size. Uh, but, uh, you know, with four strikeouts, you know, I think if he, he was kind of my pick to click for this team. If he has a big year along with Nico, uh, they're going to win a lot of games. But yeah, I mean, offensively, I think we look, you look around the country. Um, there are a lot of teams I felt like started a little slow, uh, not yeah. knock Ole Miss. Um, so, mm-hmm. and I think Ole Miss is going to be a solid offensive club. So first weekend, it's hard to really take too much, but yeah, uh, pitching wise, uh, Southern Miss looking pretty good. Offensively, kind of need to get it together a little bit. I, I don't think Slade Wilk and you know guys like Monastery are going to hit the way they did uh, over the weekend. We'll get to Oxford in a second. Let's go to Starkville. Mississippi State wins two of three against Air Force. Yeah, very easily could have been a sweep this weekend, but they had. Uh, I mean, guy for Air Force made a, a nice play to get the base hit and drive in a couple of runs in the ninth inning of that uh, that second game. They're trailing Austin P in the fifth inning today. Can we take anything away? Yet from from what we saw in Mississippi State, I mean Dakota Jordan hits a couple of home runs. No surprise there. Yeah. Um, anything to to take away from that first weekend winning the series against Air Force? 
Uh, Mississippi State, honestly, is one of the few schools where I do think I take something away. You know, I'll look back at last season, and two things. Number one, the pitching staff stunk. Number two, if you remember, Mississippi State, when anything went wrong for them, uh, I, I mean, the next day was not very pretty. And I think, actually, if, if, if I'm Chris Lamonis, this sounds very strange, but if I'm Chris Lamonis, I'm okay with the fact I lost the middle game because I love the fact or love the way that my team responded in game three because I don't think last year's team responds that well. And the other thing for me with Mississippi State is, you know, Air Force historically, and, and, we'll, and time will tell if their offense this year is really good. They, they certainly have a, an All-American up the middle. But Air Force historically is really good offensively. And I was encouraged by their pitching. I mean, Nate Dome, you know, Chris was telling me earlier this spring was electric in spring scrimmages. Cal Steven, you know, the fact that he, you know, had excellent command and struck at 11, uh, I didn't see that coming. Obviously a talented guy, but I didn't see that kind of outing coming. Uh, then you look at Camp Schulke on the back end. Uh, I mean, you're starting, you're starting to look and, you, you know, guys like Colby Holcomb, you're starting to look at a, at a team that has options. And so, I think is Mississippi State, if, if they can pitch at a high level this year and, and have and show better command, they could surprise a lot of people. So Mississippi State, again, that, that's a team for me that, that checked the box this past weekend. Again, we'll see if they establish consistency. But I, I've got my eye on them. I was very encouraged by what I saw in the mouth from those guys. Hey, Dad, did you hear that? That was a positive outlook on Mississippi State baseball. I'm very – I mean, go go look at, like, Air, uh, Air Force in in the past, like, two years early in the season, man. They they rough up some teams. Yeah. Kent Kendall, he he thinks that – you think that I'm going to get mad because you haven't been positive in the past. I would get mad because you're being positive. I, I don't like this team at all, but we'll yeah. see who's right at the end. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, you know after Lamontis won the national championship, you know, then he was a horrible coach last year. Maybe he's a really good coach again. Maybe he went to that off-season course. It's, it's, I've always said they should have fired him right after the national championship. You got to sell high, Kendall. You can't. You can't allow well, exactly. the stock to drop. You got to set the bar, man. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's uh, let's slide from Starkville over to Oxford. Ole Miss went a long way to go two and two this weekend. They got Hawaii. Uh, really entertaining game in the uh, in the first game. I, I don't know if you made yeah. it all the way till three thirty a.m. to, uh, uh, to watch did. that first one. Uh, unfortunately, I did. And I paid for it at Globe Life with a with an 11 a.m. start the next day. I, I can understand that. Um, so an entertaining first game, and then a good win in the second game, which was the first game of a doubleheader. And they got popped in the next two, really outscored, and especially in game four, just played poorly. Walked a bunch of guys, made a bunch of errors. So what do you take from one weekend for Ole Miss? I don't take a lot. Uh, and here's why. When you go to Hawaii, you can ask any coach in college baseball, and, and, and you know Mike would not want to like make excuses. But going to Hawaii, honestly, is extremely difficult. Um, it's it's really long travel. Your players are looking forward to it for all the reasons that aren't baseball. You know, mamas and daddies are going to the deal. They're wanting to hang out with their kid. You know, it's like a vacation with a baseball season. And so what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm not trying to like totally excuse the weekend, just going two and two against those guys. But it is a very difficult trip. I, I think if you look ahead for Ole Miss, uh, I have zero doubt that JT Quinn and Grayson Sonia and guys like that are going to pitch pretty well this season. Uh, I really don't. I, I have a lot of confidence in those guys. So the fact that they scuffled, the fact that you know Ole Miss hit, was it like 170 or 180 for the weekend as a team? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
they're obviously going to be way better than that offensively moving forward. And so, uh, you know, my, my takeaway is that, you know, they, they got punched in the mouth a little bit, especially in that last game. And, uh, you know, to be determined, Let, let's see how they look this weekend and the next weekend and then kind of go from there. But, yeah, a, a road trip to Hawaii is extremely difficult. You know, we were talking about it a little bit this morning, and I thought there was one positive to take away in that final game. Yeah. And it was that you had um, Josh Mallett's come back and throw two innings, and he looked good. And then you also yeah. got the debut of Austin Simmons, the, the freshman left-hander who reclassified, came for football, and he pitched really well. in the sh- Now, that was the only bright spot that I think you could take away from that fourth yeah. game. But I thought... You know, if you're playing a three-game series, those guys pitch in a different role than they did in a four-game series. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's a positive. And, and I'll look back at the the way they kind of went back and forth and traded jabs in that, um, you know, in that extra inning game that went till 3.30 in the morning Central time. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities in those extra innings on both sides um, to, to win that game. And I, I just I like the fact they kind of battled back and forth on the road. You know, the, it seemed like the crowd was really good for Hawaii. So uh, you know, you like to see those early season tests. I mean, you would, you would like to go three and one, but uh, I think going two and two on the road on a, on a place where you're traveling, you know, thirteen fourteen hours to get there, uh, you know, it, it, it's okay. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just in the middle. All right. If I took anything from this, Kendall Rogers had told Mississippi State fans and Ole Miss fans. Take a step back from the ledge. There's a lot of baseball still to it's play. It's opening Great. weekend, guys. It's opening weekend. Stay, Great stay to visit with you, Kendall. Yet. Yeah, you got it, guys. Be good. We'll talk to you next week. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. D1Baseball.com visiting with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Take a timeout. When we come back, we will uh, get to the college football fix with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Let's get it. College football fix. I had to turn Kiss down. Sorry about that. That's all right. Hey, Dad, who was at fault? Me or Porky? You. College Football Fix is driven by Ford. And your local Mississippi Ford dealer, Truck Month. Great savings and great selection on America's best-selling trucks for 47 straight years. That's Ford F-Series. So... It became official today. We have we have two years of officialness of a format for the college football playoff. Expected, uh, maybe anticlimactic, but we got it nonetheless. A five plus seven format, no longer the six plus six, which means that the champion of the Four highest, uh, the four highest ranked conference champions, which for all practical purposes means the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12, and the highest ranked group of five champion or group of 
five and a half or six or whatever the number is, the remaining teams will get an automatic berth in the college football playoff. And there will be seven at-large spots in the college football playoff. So, that's good. But we also learned a couple of other things today. You've got the um, the board of managers, the college football playoff management committee meeting, and we learned today that that television contract that we all talked about a week or two ago, the $1.3 billion, with a B, as in boy, per year, yeah, hasn't been agreed to. ESPN is one of the two parties in the contract. And ESPN reported that the deal was agreed to in principle. But um, there was a memo that was sent from John Steinbrecher, who is the commissioner of the MAC, right? Is that correct? believe you're correct. I'll double-check for you. Yes, MAC commissioner John Steinbrecher. And he sent a memo to all of his presidents and ADs that said this. Greetings from the Mid-America Conference. Several news outlets are reporting that a new six-year television deal has been concluded for the college football playoff. Be advised, these reports are incorrect. Neither the management committee, made up of commissioners, nor the board of managers, made up of presidents, have reviewed a draft agreement, nor has any vote been taken. We'll let you know, and we'll provide a briefing when we are in position to do so, John. So, there's, who do we believe? <laughs> and there's the final layer, which I find to be the most interesting. So, going from 6 plus 6 to 5 plus 7 was the right call. The Pac-12 is no more. There, there should not be two G5 conferences getting guaranteed spots into the college football playoff. Liberty and SMU's bowl performances this year proved that that should not be. Now, you could even argue that there shouldn't be one at all, but there definitely should not be two. This was the right move. It had to happen. Kudos to them for doing what needed to be done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Gives one more open spot for the hypothetical great seasons from Ole Miss and Mississippi State. All good. What's more interesting, at least I think, is yet another leak, and you, you can probably surmise where this is coming from, that the SEC and the Big Ten mm-hmm. are going to start flexing their muscle even more and say that their conferences should get more than one automatic bid when others do not. And nobody will ever agree to that. But that's another sign, in my opinion, that they're starting to realize their importance and their power and they're going to start doing something about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but the wording, hey, Dad, was that the SEC and the Big Ten are getting ready to flex their muscles. Yes. And they have significant muscles to flex. We'll see how much power they have. We'll see how much pull, push, however you want to describe it, they have. But I thought there was another thing kind of in in these stories that came out today, and that was with the new format not having yet been fully agreed upon, everything is kind of on the table. 
Five plus seven is on the table. Seven plus five, if you wanted to say the SEC and the Big Ten get two AQs, two automatic qualifiers for their top two teams, that's on the table. 16 teams instead of 12 teams is on the table. 12 at-large teams is on the table. But I got to thinking for a second about the, the idea of 16 teams. And I know that we kind of live in a world where it's like, give me more, give me more, give me more. And then when you get what you want, you still want more. So I'm in the greedy college football fan mode just for a minute. And I I readily admit that I am so hung up on the on-campus college football playoff games. And I don't think I'm wrong about this. I think they're going to be spectacular. That I'm like, what if we did go to 16? What if you had eight on-campus games? And there were no buys that were allowed. Now, I think for the first time, I would really hear and think about the argument of outcomes in the regular season meaning less. Certainly, it would water down the importance of a conference championship. It would make it almost meaningless. Almost meaningless. Yeah. Other than it's a big deal to win your conference championship, but in terms of as it pertains to the playoff, just wouldn't matter a whole lot. And an extra physical right. game and, against a great team. Yeah, well, yes. I like the idea of having sixteen teams in the playoff and I think it could be fun, but I guess my argument against the my own thinking here is when we've got five through twelve We've got a chance to have some great games. Now, there will be some duds, especially if the 5 seed against the 12 seed is, as a lot of those predictions showed, Texas against Liberty. That could could be a dud. But we've we've got a chance to have three, like, really, really good games. And maybe four. If we went to a 16-team playoff where everybody played, one versus 16, two versus 15, three versus 14, four versus 12, four versus 13, sorry, those games might not be very compelling. And it might kind of water that first round down. Now, I still think in that, that 5 through 12 window, you would you would end up with some great games. But I don't know if the top four seeds playing 13, 14, 15, and 16 gives us what we're looking for. It's almost like as we've talked about this out loud, or maybe I've talked about it out loud, my apologies, yeah. that I don't like the idea of going to 16, that, that 12 I will say really this, may be the right just, number. Just, just looking at last year's playoffs, just going with the top sixteen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go too far into this, right? Okay. But if it's Oregon versus Notre Dame, if it's you know six, your six twelve or your six fifteen is Ohio State versus Arizona. You know, mm-hmm. it would be I mean, it would be two versus fifteen. 
Two versus 50. Yeah, there'd be no buys. So that's Michi- Michigan versus Arizona. That That's a compelling game. Georgia against Notre Dame. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the last poll before the I, – I, I couldn't find the other one. We have the last poll before the conference championship game. So it still has Georgia won. But Georgia-Notre Dame is is compelling. It, it is. I mean, if, if, but, if it turns into Michigan-Notre Dame. this thing, more times than yeah. not, your group of five is going to be the 16, and he's going to be playing yeah. Georgia or yeah, you Michigan. Ha- you or have, yeah, you have game. Michigan versus Liberty there, and that's probably a blowout. Oh. But <laughs> the oh. thing is, playing, playing Georgia, yeah, I know. Georgia blows out just about anybody, right, outside of the top five. I mean, you, you tell me Georgia versus Notre Dame, I would probably take Georgia and a bunch of points there. I would take Georgia-Louisville. I would take Georgia and a bunch of points there. So, I mean, look what they did at Florida State. Now, granted, Florida State was well, kneecapped. that's not maybe the best still. example. <laughs> yeah. But they, but they, 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 they beyond killed them. Don't tell me that Florida State team, wouldn't that, that as it was, wouldn't have beaten Liberty. Yeah. Uh, somebody says, do away with the 16, or with 16, do away with conference championship games. I just don't want to do away with conference championship games. I like them. They make a lot of money, too. They do. Uh, somebody said, well, gosh, all the, uh, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have all the at-large bids. I think that's a scary proposition for some of the other conferences, if we're being honest. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. View on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You hear me tell, uh, tell you regularly about uh, our friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford and tell you about the great selection, the great, uh, the great deals that you'll get and the best financing available. And all of those things are true. None of that's changed. Really good inventory on the lot right now. But we don't talk as much about after the sale. And the service department at Belk Ford is second to none. They have recently enlarged the service department, and so they can get you in and out. They've got a great team of technicians that are well-trained with all the most recent technology. And one other thing, and this is a little harder to come by, they've got a great diesel repair shop that is part of the service department at Belk Ford. So if you are driving a diesel truck or a diesel SUV and you have an issue and you're having trouble finding a place to get it worked on, whether you live in Oxford or not, they can take care of you at uh, Belk Ford. All the latest diagnostic tools plus all of the routine maintenance that you need, like oil changes and tire rotations and how to get that pesky check engine light to go off that you can't figure out why it's on because everything seems to be going right in the first place. They'll take care of you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Just like when you go to buy a vehicle or trade a vehicle, when you go to the service department, tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. We would appreciate that very much. You can find them online at belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com. Belkford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. 
Andy Staples at On3 wrote uh, an interesting story, came out yesterday, and the headline on the story is the Florida State ACC negotiation will set the terms for more college football realignment. And this is, if we were talking about politics, this would be kind of a wonky story. So this is like a sports wonk story, if you will. Will you kind of got to get off in the weeds a little bit and really read through a lot. But but here's the crux of the filing, most recent filing by the ACC, requesting that they not try this case in Florida, which is probably going to be a pretty friendly venue for Florida State. But to me, this is the part of the filing that really stands out. Florida State has deemed getting their media rights back as a punitive penalty. And the ACC's attorneys write this. Florida State twice assigned its media rights for a specific term to the conference for the purpose of entering into agreements with the ESPN. The conference thus controls those rights for that term. If Florida State wishes to regain control of the rights before the end of the term, it could attempt to repurchase them. But having to buy back a right which was assigned is not a penalty. It is simply a commercial possibility. Paying a fair price for rights that were previously transferred cannot be a penalty under any reasonable definition of the term. Regardless of how you feel about the legal standing of the case that the ACC has against Florida State or vice versa. Isn't this kind of the first semi-public declaration from the ACC that they're willing to do business, that they're willing to negotiate? It's exactly what it is. And so if that is the case, what does it mean? It means that Florida State is free to join a different conference if and when that day comes. Well... Hopefully. It means that Florida State has the ability to get out of their current conference. Yes. To buy their way out of it. And and Andy wrote that could set off a new round of conference realignment. And he's he's absolutely right. It certainly could. But when I read through that, I thought, if I'm Zach Selman, if I'm Keith Carter, name your AD in the SEC. Scott Strickland, especially. Mm. Why do I want Florida State in the SEC? Am I giving them a life raft? Hey, Dad, why do you want them? I don't necessarily know that you do want them. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. Why not? I think it's the most important question for this entire thing as this saga continues and continues. To what end? Question mark. Where is your landing spot, Florida State? Are you convinced that if you break free from the shackles of the ACC, that you have a landing spot in the Southeastern Conference? Because I'm not. Are you convinced you've got a landing spot in the Big Ten? I'm not. Didn't the last two members that the Big Ten just took in take a cut rate 
for the first few years? Did, isn't that, isn't that I'll like not USC and UCLA, but didn't Oregon and Washington have to they take a, a discounted right share in, initially? Obviously, SMU is getting nothing for a long time, correct? And not only are they not getting nothing, are, are they getting nothing? They were anticipating that they were going to at least get a full share of the college football playoff money that the rest of the ACC members get, and the college football playoff has said, no, 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 you're not. And they passed some legislation that was like, leaving one leaving a non-Power 5 conference to join a Power 5 conference does not immediately make you eligible to receive a Power 5 conference share. So... Here's to the price of oil going up in Texas, I suppose. Um, We we were talking about this morning, about this this morning, guys, and I got to believe that there are smart people that are involved in all of this that is going on at Florida State. Maybe Maybe I'm giving them too much benefit of the doubt. But when I read stories about Florida State and the exploration of private equity and what that could potentially mean, bringing private equity groups into college athletics, I have to believe that there's some smart, sharp people that are involved in this. So what do they know that we don't know? Is Florida State somehow going to survive as an independent? And not just, this isn't about surviving. You're not getting out of the deal that you're in just to survive. You're trying to get out so you can thrive. So that you can level the playing field with the ACC and the, or the SEC and the Big Ten. So, so is there some path of independence where Florida State thinks that they can make way more money than they're making currently in the ACC if there is not, as Andy Staples opines, another major round of realignment. Or if they don't have a seat at the, ta- at the table with the SEC or the Big Ten. See, I, I think, I, I, I still think North Carolina, Virginia, maybe Virginia Tech, Maybe NC State? I think those are more attractive options for the SEC than for Florida State. Yeah. Because it grows you into a place where you don't currently exist. What does Florida State add that the SEC doesn't already have? Why would you add Clemson? Yeah, what do they add? You got, you've got the state of South Carolina. I mean, there, there's got to be some strategy from the SEC and the Big Ten standpoint. I mean, honestly, it would make more sense for the Big Ten than for the SEC because it puts them in a place they're not. Right. I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I, I don't know what. Either Florida State is expecting to be wanted and they won't be. I, 
I don't know. I just know when I saw this and thought about it, I thought there's no way if I'm Keith Carter, if I'm Zach Selman, that I that I want to take on Florida State. You already play in the most difficult league in America. You're already a, in a couple years going to have a nine game conference schedule. What benefit do you get from from Florida State? Well, what is what do they add? Yeah. To you, nothing. They only make things more difficult for you and probably don't raise your income. So, no. We will check the SEC scoreboard one more time when we come back. Mississippi State with a couple of base runners on, and they have gotten on the board. Two runs for the Bulldogs in the bottom of the sixth inning to make it a 3-2 game and a pitching change for Austin P. Back with you to wrap things up on this Tuesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio right after this. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Austin P got out of the bottom of the sixth inning with the lead, and now in the top of the seventh, the Governor's batting with uh, two outs, leading three to two over Mississippi State. Bulldogs trying to come from behind. They gave up a run in the first, two in the third. Bulldogs got their two runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. Bulldogs got a um, hmm. Got an RBI single from Chance, then Ross Highfield had a sack fly to score the second run. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. What do you think, hey, Dad? Bulldogs going to get it done in their last three at-bats? We'll see. Uh, I mean, their lineup is just it's just problematic right now for State. You know, your first four hitters are hitting 353, 357, 353, 429. Then your next five hitters are hitting 167, 167, 222, 200 and 091. I mean, once you get past price chance in this lineup, it's just, there's just not a lot of, not a lot going on early in the season for them. So, yeah. Uh, Another uh, bit of news here. Four hits? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of news here on the basketball front. Uh, MSU just announced officially a sellout tomorrow night uh, at the hump for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. There you go. It's going to be good. Will the banana man be there? They've been at every game. They're there. No, the banana man. Not guys in banana suits. My guy in the banana suit. Yeah, he's 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 there. He better be. Yeah. Which is the banana man? The guy that stormed the court before the game was over? Got arrested? Yeah. They slapped cuffs on him because he dared have fun at a basketball game? No, no, I I remember. I just I wasn't sure if that's who you were referring to or uh, or not. Uh, two basketball games tonight in the SEC, Arkansas at Texas A&M. They get started with that one in just a few minutes. Tennessee is at Missouri. Well, if Missouri got its first SEC win tonight, that would be a bit of a shocker. Kind of fun. Yes. Say what? Yeah. I would be surprised. 
If that were to happen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I uh, that, that seems unlikely. Tennessee only only a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in that ballgame. Is that too big of a number for it to possibly smell fishy? I'm this curious to see not, what the line tomorrow I mean, is going to be. This is after, not an official one. PTG outdoors. After what happened this weekend with, with, with Vanderbilt, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, this, this is not an official PTG outdoors fishy line of the week. But that would smell a little, like, I feel like they're begging me to take Tennessee and lay the 12 and a half. What's tomorrow's going to be? Five and a half. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll say, hey, yeah, say six to seven. Four and a half. Okay. What's the line on the A&M Arkansas game? I'm actually really curious about that. Same as it is in the uh, Tennessee-Missouri game. A&M favored by 12 and a half at home tonight against Arkansas. What's the line on Eric Musselman being the coach at Arkansas next year? Uh... He's oh. fine if he wants to say. Draft, oh, I'm not talking about uh, him getting fired. No. DraftKings already has the line up. It's six and a half on DraftKings. Okay. We were in the neighborhood. Yeah. Over under of 142. It was a higher scoring game than we thought it was going to be the first time around. Much higher scoring, I think. Yeah, I felt. Yeah. What was the I think if you had told me that before 86 82? Yeah. Yeah, if you had told me before that game that State was going to get 82, I, I would have told you State probably won by double digits. Ole Miss played really, really good offense that night. Yeah. We'll have all the metrics on that one tomorrow. The um, the FPI or the, the ESPN. Ooh, wow. ESPN Analytics gives Mississippi State a 78% chance to win this game. But I'm just a homer. Just want to point that out. So if they played this game ten times, would they win eight of ten, in your opinion? Is that accurate? Well, you mean in Starkville? Yes. This game, these teams, this venue, this point of the season, all things the same, but they got they played That's it ten tough. times. That's tough. I don't know that, that, that they would. The metrics want me to say that, though. Yeah. I've never been a metrics guy, though. I'm, you know, I, I tend to be an eye test guy. Yep. The eye test tells me it would be much closer than that. Ole Miss scoring seventy two a game or seventy six a game, giving up seventy two. Mississippi State scoring seventy four a game, giving up sixty seven. We looked at all of those numbers last time, and we remember how close they were to each other. And then the game, it, I mean, it ended up being close. It just wasn't at all indicative or, or uh, representative of the numbers that either team had going into the game. So it should be fun. We'll have the full breakdown on this one tomorrow when we are back for another edition of Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.